This is the Volleyball Coaching Wizards podcast, covering everything coaching. Motivated and inspired by interviews and conversations with some of the world's great volleyball coaches. To learn more about the project, visit VolleyballCoachingWizards.com. Now here are your hosts, John Foreman and Mark Levijou. Welcome to episode 28 of the podcast. Uh, this time around, Mark and I talk about the kind of the early phases, the beginning phases of working with a new team, um, which could either be, say, a new juniors team that you've just assembled uh, after tryouts or something like that, or a continuation team, uh, as in the case that Mark and I have both recently gone through in terms of you know, his professional team in Poland. Um, he's you know, begun his second year, so he's integrating some new guys, as is normally the case at the beginning of a season. And in my case, um, you know, at the college level where you're integrating new freshmen and ad- ad- addressing things for players that, you know, are no longer there, some of which you kind of deal with in the spring. But, you know, the dynamics, once you get into season, are always a little bit different. So a lot of what we end up talking about has to do with identifying and developing leaders, but also kind of just the idea of developing that team uh, interaction and allowing certain elements of the team dynamic to develop uh, through a couple of different processes that we talk about. Uh, in this this interview, while we don't have a specific clip to start off as we normally do, we do reference um, clips from some of the uh, some of the volleyball coaching wizards. Uh, Tom Turco, who's involved who's one of the interviews from the book, is someone we talk about. There's also John Dunning from a from a clip of an interview that I did with him. Uh, as part of an art of coaching uh, partnership, uh, both of those uh, will be linked to in the show notes, so you can actually go back and reference them yourself. So, in the meanwhile, uh, on we go. Uh, let's start off with this question: How many new players do you typically have when you start a new season with your club? Uh, it varies a lot. So this season we had uh, seven new players. And last season we had 12. Uh, the last years in Berlin uh, was around maybe three or four maximum uh, new guys per season. So it can vary a lot from team to team and year to year. Okay. So what we want to kind of talk about is how you integrate those new players into a squad. Both, I mean, presumably there's going to be two elements to it. In an established squad like Berlin, there's probably more stability with the starting lineup, whereas, you know, in a, in a team that's maybe kind of more mid-table and you see more turn, more turnover, you're probably going to have a lot more turnaround in the lineup from season to season. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, the better teams are better, normally better clubs, and they're more willing and able to sign longer-term contracts. So, uh, middle middle table teams often work from year to year so um, if they get a player and are able to develop them then they'll go straight away so the they have a, a fairly big turner turnover so Ruben the friend of the show right. uh, he probably has you know, eight guys every year from year to year right um, the impression that I get from seeing this, and, and I imagine it would be the same for a college coach who's probably taking over a new program where there might be a lot of turnover of players, is that 
in these mid mid and lower table teams uh, where the clubs are not as strong, and therefore there's more turnover among the players, uh, like you say, less longer term contracts in the sort. It's almost like a job of of starting a new team at the beginning of each season. I mean, it's not completely new, although I know in Ruben's case a couple of years ago, the only player he had back was his Libero. So it yeah. was literally starting all over from scratch. Um, whereas, as you say, at the at the upper clubs, and, and once you've established yourself at a college program, it's more about, okay, you, you're rotating players. Obviously, in college, every four years, you've got a new set of bodies. But from year to year, if things go more or less according to plan, it's three or four. So what's the, what's the mental approach to the two different types of situations? The mental approach on the part of the coach? Yeah, in terms of, okay, on the one hand, it's a new team every year, versus on the other hand, it's more of an integration of, of a couple of new players. I think, I, and I've... I can probably point to the mistakes that I've made at different times uh, over the over the period, overestimating in terms of overestimating the carryover from one year to the next. So um, I think the the first thing is that uh, if if you have an existing team, the the advantage that you have is that you have already presumably some leaders in the group. So the, uh, that changes the work a fair bit because you have the, the guys that you can work with and who can actively work with guys in the team and uh, you can pay attention to, to different kinds of things. Uh, if you don't have existing leaders, then you have to work in a slightly different way because you have to create situations where, where the leaders will reveal themselves because um, I've also made the mistake of, of uh, imposing a leader on a group, on a new group that uh, ended up not working out very well. So those are two different things and uh, so two different parts of it. Uh, in terms of having a team from, you know, that was more or less stable from one year to the next, a big mistake that I made in one of my first years was to uh, assume that there would be a carryover of the work that we'd done the previous year and that the existing players would at least informally educate the, the new players of the, of the things that we'd done, the standards we expected. And that also turned out not to be the case. So I think that the important things are that you have a set process regardless of how many players you have coming back into the team, that you remember, uh, have reminders of the things that are important, um, the standards of your team, uh, the technical and tactical things, uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, even if it's even if it's not completely necessary, maybe for most people, uh, it's important to, to actually set those tones from the beginning, from the coaches uh, part of it. Okay, um, two things. Going back to the carryover overestimation, 
I know I've been through that myself when I was coaching at Brown. We had a team that tied for the Ivy League championship, and we only lost two players to, for the following season. So you go in saying, okay, you know, we've, we've established what it takes to be at least a co-champion. And, you know, you, you've got good experience in the squad. And I think we had three or four seniors that year, all with a lot of playing experience. But it ended up being a very, very different new season. The, the, the dynamics were very different. The, 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 the interactions among the players was nowhere near close. And, and in hindsight, you look back and you go, okay, well, one of the players that we lost was the starting setter who had been starting for several years. And yeah, okay, you expect there to be a drop off in that position as you bring in a younger player, but you don't necessarily always realize the influence that that personality has on the team dynamic and kind of the drive forward that, that they create. Or in other cases, you, know, you might have a player that's really big in terms of the cohesion of the team um, who may or may not have a massive influence on how they actually you know the technical level of the squad, or or the, the points that they score, but is is influential on the psychology of the group. Um, so it's it, yeah. It, I mean that always goes back to what several of the wizards have talked about. It you know each team is a different team, even if it's primarily the same group of players. Uh, in terms of what, in terms of what you were just talking about, it brought to mind uh, a, a clip of interview that I did with John Dunning where yep. he talked about team culture and who's responsible for kind of setting and, and, and enforcing team culture. And he mm -hmm. definitely says that's, that's beholden upon the coach, which it sounds like you agree with. Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want to directly contradict uh, one of the <laughs> wizards. Uh, I... The, there are two parts of, of culture, and there are, and there's definitely uh, an important role that the the coach uh, has to play in in setting that in uh, in formal interactions. Maybe maybe the de delineation is formal and informal culture, and uh, the coach can certainly regulate parts of the formal culture, how things happen in the practice gym, what the formal communication is uh, between the players and the staff and among the staff, etc, etc. And and that part's a, a really vital part, but the there's another part that is, uh, is much more difficult for the coach to, to influence, which is sort of among the group and 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 how they work together and you have to you can you can have some influence but um, a lot of it is is just different personalities uh, reacting together in in different ways and those things can have more or less effect uh, negative and positive from from year to year, and I've had the the great fortune of working a lot with Scott Tuzinski, for example, who is uh, just wonderful at managing that second part of the of the culture of the group, 
how the individuals interact amongst each other, what they do off the court, how the families spend time together. Um, and I don't and couldn't have any real impact on that. Um, and he, he does, and it, it can make a massive difference. And perhaps that's the um, a difference between working with professionals and working with college college athletes, student athletes. Um, in colleges, the 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 players are by definition younger, not in families, um, more impressionable, more easy to control. If I had to put it in the bluntest possible terms. Uh, and the coach can really set every part of that, but by working with uh, with adults in their thirties, uh, it's a much different scenario. Um, two things. Well, I think, I sometimes think, in their thirties. <laughs> sometimes still teenagers. Um, uh, they're all still teenagers, but <laughs> <laughs> but they have more years of being teenagers. Uh, um, I, I'll actually. There's, one other uh, issue that, that you touched on briefly about when you change, you maybe only change one or two players. And um, every time you make any change, there's a change within the group. And even if it's maybe if it's just the, the last guy on the list and you have two players of the same personality, um, it it doesn't change very much but every time you add or subtract a player the the group has to find again its informal stasis so uh, who who is responsible for which part of the the team the informal team culture what's the hierarchy who's the boss have I gone up one spot or down one spot or um, there's a it was one of those what's probably considered to be um, dumb and superficial uh, management ideas or leadership ideas or group dynamic ideas that I learned at uni, which was um, the four stages of, of uh, formation of a group was uh, forming, norming, performing and reforming or something. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, and every time you make a change, there's a, there's a storm because there's every you've you've changed everything, and uh, everybody has to run around till they find their their new spot. And you can have, and maybe this is the this is not maybe this is the essence of your question is how you get to the, how the coach gets to that performing stage. Is correct. Um. In a way, and I do want to get to what you talked about in terms of revealing leaders. Uh, but before we get there, the, the couple of things. First, on Dunning, I think he definitely was speaking more toward the form, what you call the formal side of team culture, yeah. in terms of you know, expectations on the court in the gym, uh, and, and just reflecting on college culture. Um, I think there's probably less influence on the informal culture of college athletes by college coaches than you might suspect. Maybe in a sport like football where the head coaches, especially at bigger programs, are notorious for for being control freaks and really wanting to have every little detail uh, nailed down. But even there, 
you know, these are still college kids, and they still spend most of their time away from their sport in the classroom, social settings, whatever. So, as you say, the personalities eventually dictate what the social interactions are. And, And I look at the difference between what our players look like when they're on the court and what they look like on on the bus on the way back from a tournament and you know the interactions on the court are one thing but then the interactions between the individuals in a, in the more social setting are can sometimes be dramatically different where the personalities are allowed to to more come into play um and it and, and it was kind of interesting when you talked about groups having to reform with changing members and i would even extend that to say it's not even necessarily when you change personnel, because as you know, if you have younger players, for example, and, and certain ones are developing more quickly than others, then their positioning within the group can change just based on that. You know, somebody could could win a starting spot over time just because they get better, which obviously changes in in kind of the the male context changes the hierarchy within the team, but in the female context, perhaps changes the role within the team. Uh, to kind of go with what Kathy DeBoer would probably say about it. So I think those, yeah, you got something? Uh, I I completely agree. Every change that you make is a creates a new stasis, mm-hmm. and there's a there's some period of uncertainty. Um, a player not accepting the new role, uh, accepting the new role, uh, how they fight, etc., etc. Um, yeah, every it's the same in every part of the game. You where you make a new import, you make a change, and you get something new at the end, and. In every part of volleyball, it's also the same. You can't predict what the end will be. Right. All right, before we get too far off on the side on that, I want to go back to what you talked about in terms of revealing leaders in a squad where you don't have the same leaders from the season before. So are there things that you attempt to do or situations that you put the group into that facilitates that sort of thing? In the past... I've done formal team building activities, um, good ones, ones that were fun and I think had some benefit on the at least the informal part of the of the team culture. Um, over time, I'm less convinced that those things are are really worthwhile because in the end, the 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 trust, the communication. Etc. That you need to perform well in volleyball is very specific to the situation. Specificity is specificity. It doesn't stop at the the, the end of practice. It's, a, it's in all parts of of the game. So, what I really need to be able to, how I really need to be able to trust my teammate, is not. Um, in the pub, it's not uh, on a high ropes course. It's not on a trust fall. It's uh, is he going to take the ball that's his, and is he going to let me take the ball that's mine, and is he going to score the point when we need him to score the point? Those are the things that um, are required for a well-functioning 
uh, well uh, well performing team and so I work my preparation around those kinds of things so uh, I want to um, create a lot of situations where the players have to interact with each other in different ways than not than uh, on court so um, so we play a lot of small games. We play a lot of one against one, a lot of two against two. We mix the teams all the time. Um, when we travel in the preseason, I always mix the grooming list. So, um, you know, new guys with old guys, young guys with older guys, you know, uh, locals with foreigners, that we just have the, the broad range of, of interactions. In the within the whole group, and uh, what I find is that at some point there is, if you're lucky, uh, oh no, most of the time, it, most of the time it happens that there'll be a um, a leader who comes out at some moment. Okay, you, and that's the and that's that's yeah. the process. All right. Well, let me ask you: Have you ever seen the film Necessary Roughness? I have not. Okay, it's. I mean, it's a football comedy, and I mean American football. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the one of the elements of it is you've got an shall we say mature quarterback yep. coming into the mm-hmm. team. Uh, he was, I think, yep. in his in his thirties, and one of the challenges for him and his coach is to get him to become a leader in the group with all these much younger guys. And he's fighting with it, you know, for half of the film, trying to, how do I do this? So in yep. the end, what comes of it, he has, he ends up in a bar fight with his team against their big rival team. So yep. that, yeah, and the reason that I bring this up is, you know, you talk about all the on-court stuff, but how important would something like that, I'm not, not that we're encouraging people, teams to go out and have bar fights, but the sense that my my teammates have my back in a conflict situation how important is that in the in the team dynamic this is maybe where volleyball is different because they talk about that a lot in american football in australian football they they talk about the same thing the importance of defending your teammate um but in volleyball, we we never have a physical confrontation with the other team, so you don't ever have to to step in with your teammate to protect him in a fight. You have to uh, cover him when when he's spiking so that he doesn't get blocked out. But uh, you don't ever have to take a punch for him or swing a punch for him. So I I don't think that that is such a, an important part the the football one is interesting in the sense that the the quarterback if i understand american football at all the quarterback has to be the leader you can't have a leader in another position and the quarterback be the follower the quarterback has to be the leader so the coach has to create some kind of situation or whatever for that player to end up being the leader. In my team, I don't need a particular position to be the leader. And in fact, my captain this year is not a starter. uh, um, But he 
is a leader in a lot of other different, a lot of other areas that allow the team to function. And in the on the court, he we don't need him to perform. Or we have other players to perform that role. So I think there those are differences. The other thing, and again because of the the physical confrontation nature and the having each other's back um, part of it. I, I don't even think in volleyball that it's necessary to be great friends. And there are plenty of uh, examples of uh, teams that didn't really get on very well with each other, but worked well together on the court and, and trusted each other and played hard and were successful the 84 US men's team being an obvious example. On the the other side, and I was actually speaking after practice this evening with one of the guys in my team about teams, and he was in a team last year that were amongst each other in informal settings, were a great group, enjoyed each other's company, good guys, spent time together. But when they played, they never fought. So he said that it was just the worst. He, the phrase that he used was that he wanted to shoot himself <laughs> because the um, they just never reached a point where they were they were able or prepared to fight for each other. But they had wonderful relationship off the court. So this is also one reason why I think about things in in really specific terms it's uh, uh, I can have a beer with anybody I like but I need to be in a competitive situation and be able to trust that person to be able to be successful as a team the beer part is not completely incidental but it's certainly not required right okay um, in terms of the, the quarterback analogy you, you talked about how the quarterback needs to be the leader would you not mm-hmm. say that the setter needs to be a leader? I'm not saying the setter has to be your captain, but I'm saying the setter must be a leader within the team, at least on the court. The setter has to have some leadership qualities and has some leadership role, but doesn't have to be the leader. Uh, I, I think if you look at um, some of the teams at the Olympics, for example, um, Bruno was almost certainly the leader of the Brazilian team um, that won the gold medal. But the Italian team that was second, I I don't think that Ginelli was the leader of that team at all. Maybe he was the fifth leader after... Uh, after Buti, after Zaitsev, after Wantarena, after the coach, then um, then he was there. Now, now he has to hold his ground and he has to be assertive in some in some areas of the game, but um, but that's not that's not the same as being a leadership or uh, being a leader or being in a leadership role. Okay. Uh, in, in terms of what you're talking about, not having a non-starter leader, mm-hmm. uh, that's relatively unusual on a men's team. That you have the alpha dog in the in the group not be a starter, because usually playing capability 
is one of the leading categories that contribute to who gets decided to, at least among the team, maybe not by the coach, but at least among the team, who they think the leader is in the squad. Fair? In the preparation, we went through the list of qualities or responsibilities that the, um, that the captain has. So the things that the captain, the roles that the captain has, has to fulfill. And um, there's a, a role during games in uh, performance. There's a, a role in practice in terms of setting a standard, um, uh, working hard, working well. Um, etc. There's a, a role inside the club as the uh, representative or the conduit. I don't know why I suddenly thought of that word, but between the the team and the coaching staff, between the team and the and the club, um, a union rep in a sense, in that way. But you know, between the coaches and the staff, somebody who the players trust and who the staff trusts in both directions. Uh, has a role with the press so in our context that means preferably somebody who can who speaks polish and is able to to communicate well with uh, with media uh, has also a role with the fans so they're in some way a link between the the fans and the team and um, and it's good if they can also communicate well with with that with those fans so there's five, um, if I can count my fingers correctly, uh, things that the the captain has to be able to do, and um, or sorry, five roles that the team has to cover. Now, in the perfect world, you have the the big star player with the big personality who uh, does all of those things. So, uh, Michael Jordan was was the leader in every one of those things. There was never any question about that. Um, but we didn't have in our team one person to fulfill all of those, one single person to fulfill all of those roles. So we had to look at how we were going to do those things, um, which, which areas we could cover. And it was actually, it took us, it took about six, five, six weeks. And, uh, we, we found the guy who was, uh, he was a leader in the team, in the the informal culture of the team. He uh, he had the respect of the of the top players, but also the young guys. He um, I had a good relationship with him. He had no problems being honest with me. Um, I had no problems being honest with him. We even had some fights, sort of not fights, but some reasonably healthy in-depth discussions. Uh, I was going to say, uh, we'll say uh, some some good discussions. Um, uh, he's a guy that that people like, that fans like, that kids like. Uh, he's got no problems uh, standing up to the president if the president tries to pull something, um, and uh, and is Polish. So those parts were good, and we figured that we have enough experienced players in the team that can cover the the actual game time stuff. So, um, you know, one thing that that always comes up in uh, in, in discussions is uh, about talking to the referees. But 
I think that talking to the referees is just about the, the least important responsibility of the captains. And uh, that's how we ended up with our captain who wasn't a starter. And, um, you know, last year was exactly the opposite. We had a guy, we, we had a guy who was just obviously the captain from the team list until the end of the season. All right, now... Turco, Tom Turco in his interview talked about what you mentioned very early on in terms of imposing a captain from the outside and he seems to have had a similar experience to one you obviously had somewhere along the way where it was a complete disaster so that, that created his own philosophy on it which he talks about in his interview it's in the book uh, how do you so basically you're letting the leadership the, the captain kind of bubble up so that it's obvious to everybody. Is that is that a fair sort of assessment? Uh, the, the situation I was specifically referring to wasn't directly a captain, but we had a, a leadership group and I named the, the leaders, the, the members of the leadership group before seeing how the team interacted. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up that there were guys in the leadership team who had no, who weren't representing anybody from the team, which was not the, not the right way, and right. who I certainly didn't have a good relationship with either. So it ended up being a, um, not a very good situation. Right. Um, uh, if if the point you're getting at is. Um, about uh, voting for a captain? No, no, captain? no, not specifically. I, I, I wasn't talking mechanism, but I was just talking more in terms of in, instead of coach picks, you know, based on whatever coach criteria that may or may not be something people are aware of, it becomes more a situation of letting, letting the, the leader kind of show themselves to the point where everybody sees it. I mean, this is against what, I'm not against, but not exactly what Turco's talking about. And in his case, he basically makes all of his seniors captains regardless and, and because they've earned the right to be captains by that point. But it's, you know, it's high school. The responsibilities of, of captains at high school is considerably different than it would be in the pros. But we, we there's one one last thing I, I wanted to get to because we're starting to run on time. Yeah. You, We've talked a lot about, or at least from the context of trying to work with a team where you have a lot of new players, there's been quite a bit of turnover. And you talked about the process early on of doing a lot of small-sided stuff and, and mixing player players around a lot to create the relationships and, and see how the relationships develop and how the leadership develops in that. Now, in the case of a team where you've only got a couple of changes, is there a different approach to that beginning of the new year with the team, or is it still a similar approach? The new team is a new team. Like I said before, you add, you add two guys, you change all of the dynamics. So basically, you, you're still saying, okay, we're going to start with a small side of games, or we're going to mix guys around, yep. we're going to room guys in, in different fashions, yep. all that same stuff. Okay. Yep. Uh, and I will come back to one point that you made about uh, um, about leaders emerging from the group. 
And I'll, I'll say that leaders do emerge from the group regardless of what the coach does. So there's a, um, there, there will be the group informally and unconsciously elects a leader. Right. And the, you can, the coach can perhaps have some influence in some areas, but it's really nothing to do much with the coach. And uh, so um, I'm just identifying the stuff that's, that's happening as you go along. And the, you know, the other part is that the, the role of the captain has so many, so many parts to it that you don't need to have, sorry, the role of the leader or the, the roles that need to be covered by leaders making things more complicated for myself. That's why you should always talk in catchphrases because then you can just talk in catchphrases. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, you just, you don't, it doesn't have to be fit inside one person, but you just have to cover all of those areas. Right. Okay. Well, that's about long enough for this particular episode. Uh, unless there's anything last bit you want to toss in. I, one thing that um, maybe I'll add in, in, uh, in concluding is that the, the way the team interacts the, the, and the leadership in the group is much more important than I think a lot of coaches give, give credit for. So there's some idea that you elect a captain and um, or sorry you name a captain and that person becomes a leader and then everything's fine um, one the first thing is that it doesn't work like that as, as we've talked about and the second thing is that the if you can find the leaders and identify the leaders or, or in some cases create them the, those people can have a really massive influence on on everything by setting the tone by um, you know, I go back to Michael Jordan and the Bulls example so um, you know Michael uh, Phil Jackson said that it was easy to be the coach of the Bulls not because he had Jordan the player but because he had Jordan the training animal he said it was much easier to get people to work in practice when Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were doing the the dumb passing drills as if it was the game seven of the finals. Right. Um, so, and in my own example, the Scott Tuzinski example that I brought up, um, if you have a guy like that, if you can find a guy like that, it's um, everything functions, everything just functions better. Okay. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes and more, visit volleyballcoachingwizards.com backslash podcast. Got an idea for a future episode or want to ask a question? Send an email to podcast at volleyballcoachingwizards.com.